So happy Gaudete Sunday. It's the word we use for this third Sunday because the entrance antiphon, if you heard it in Latin, would have been Gaudete, rejoice, rejoice. I say it again, rejoice in the Lord. His hour is near at hand. Christmas is almost here. It's like you have, to have these two weeks of like groaning and hoping and longing for Christmas to come and really longing for the salvation of the world to be fulfilled. We want it and, we're, and our bodies are struggling and our virtues are not so virtuous and our, our habits are still poor. So we've been working, hopefully, for two plus weeks and like, like really digging deep. I need to change. Lord, help me to change. This is frustrating. I can't change. Help me, Lord. Come and help me. Come help me grow in holiness. And then this like third Sunday of Advent is like, I don't know, kind of a silly image. Like the, the, the third, it's like the seventh inning stretch in baseball. I can't sit through nine innings of baseball straight. So they gave us like a seventh inning stretch. You stand up, you move around, you like greet your neighbor. I don't know what they do in baseball. But you have this moment of like time out before you, you're, you're, you're going to make it. You're not there yet, but you're almost there. And it's a, a moment of joy, of rejoicing. And, and that's why we have this like, like we wear, this is not pink by the way, right? This is not pink. Priests don't wear pink. We wear rose. It's rose, okay? Because that's so much better than pink. Anyway, um, at least it's not LSU colors. Anyway, the... Um, and, and Advent is a season, we, we, it's, it's worth recognizing, our faith is a faith of waiting. God has always been a, a, one, a God who reveals, starts something, and then we kind of wait for its fullness to come. Jesus is going, he started his kingdom as a mustard seed, it hasn't reached its fullness yet, we are waiting for that return, that fullness of Christmas. And so the season of waiting is like a microcosm, a micro time period in the macro time period to help keep exercising, yes, I can wait for it, yes, I can make it. I can make it like this, this, this four weeks before Christmas helps me practice waiting the four decades or whatever it's going to be of my life towards that fullness still to come. I can wait for it. I can make it. We are very impatient. We struggle to wait. So Advent helps stretch our ability to wait. And um, again, the third Sunday, it's kind of like a, I can't wait. It's an exciting, like, I can't wait. It's almost here. I can't wait. It's like the exciting part of waiting. Um, so we do struggle, and our Lord especially doesn't hesitate to challenge us that, yes, you have to wait for it. And that's why I love the Gospel today. It's actually one of my favorite Gospels, because it's one of the most realistic, down-to-earth questions that I think John the Baptist obviously asked, but I think each one of us probably at some point can ask. He's in prison. This is John the Baptist. This is Jesus' cousin, his most devoted follower, someone who's so faithful to God's call when he called him to be a prophet. He gave his life to God. He grew up in the desert on locusts and camel's hair that he wore. Like, whoever did more? And now he's in prison. Like, what? that's not fair. That's not right. And there are two schools of thought. Is this John the Baptist himself doubting and struggling and saying, like, Lord, are you the one who is to come? Because I'm not seeing it. Or should we wait for another? Another school of thought is that, and this is where the chosen season three seems to be taken up it's not John the Baptist whose faith was struggling. His own disciples who followed him, their faith was struggling because their, their master and best friend, John the Baptist, who did so much for God, and now he's being punished for it. So he sends them, go ask the rabbi, Jesus. Go ask him, are you the one who is to come? Or are we to look for another? Is this it? Because this kind of stinks. Are we to look for another? And I think we can all hopefully, well, not, I'm sorry, I said the last, not hopefully, but unfortunately, I think we can all relate to that. Raise your hand if you believe that we have been saved through Jesus Christ. 
We've been saved through Jesus Christ. Hopefully we're baptized. Heaven is for real. And the kingdom of God is among us and salvation has come. And then you read the newspaper. And you're like, wait, this this doesn't look like salvation. Like, um, I was thinking, you know, by now, I mean, it's been 2,000 years, you know. Lord, you had plenty of time. Why? What's, What's going on? I don't like this religion thing. Are you the one who has to come? Is this the salvation we're supposed to wait for? Is this the church you founded? This church with its scandal and hypocrite members and all the things we find wrong with the Catholic Church? Is this the one or should we look for another? It's a very realistic question. I look at my sins. I go to confession. And I sin again. And I got to go to confession again. This is kind of frustrating, Lord. Is confession really the way to go? Because it's not doing any good. We look at a lot of things in our world today. And in our own hearts today. I was baptized. Why am I still struggling with sin? The same one. Or ones. Should we look for another? And you know it. Like throughout history, members of the Christian faith looked at their church and said... Oh my gosh, it's so full of corrupt sinners and corrupt bishops and corrupt popes. Like, we better form a new church, and let's call it the Puritan Church. It'll be pure and holy and no corrupt individuals. It'll be simple and no complicated rules and regulations. And they tried. And we've kept trying to form new churches. Or you have other members of the Christian faith who say, Oh my gosh, this church, with all of this corruption and scandal and so many rules to follow, and that I have to go to church on Sunday, and they made me go to the priest for confession, forget it. I don't need religion. That can't be the way. We're constantly looking at our Lord. Is this the way? Because it really, I don't know. Should we look for another? Is this one too complicated? Is this one too hard for us? And the reason I like it is that Jesus doesn't deflect the question. He doesn't say, like sometimes we're tempted to say, well, it's a mystery. You can't understand it. Sorry. Disbelieve. I mean, he does kind of say that, but he says it more understandingly. He says, tell John. Go tell him. What do you see? What have you seen? And he starts quoting the promises of the Old Testament. On that day, when the kingdom begins, you will see. The blind will see, the lame will walk, the deaf will hear, the dead will be raised, those in captives will be set free, those in captivity. And so, you're seeing Jesus Christ. And those he sent to John are like, yeah, I guess I did see last week you healed the blind man. I saw the deaf now able to hear. I saw the lame guy walking. I mean, you didn't heal all of the blind people. You didn't heal all the deaf. You didn't heal everyone who's using crutches. You didn't even raise all the people from the dead. But I did see that you raised John the ba- I mean, Lazarus from the dead. It's happening. Not in a way I might have understood it, but I can't deny it. These things are coming true. These promises are being fulfilled. So I guess, even though it's kind of hard, I can't deny it. This is the way. You are the one who is to come. Little detail, another list of Isaiah's promises goes on the same ones. The blind, the deaf, the lame, and then he mentions captives will be set free. And he doesn't mention that to John's apostles. As if to kind of tell John, you might not live to see this one. You might not live to see this one. But then Jesus keeps going because he says, almost like a new beatitude. You have the, the beatitudes are blessed of the poor in spirit, blessed of the pure in heart, blessed of the meek and whatever. Now he says, and blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. 
We need to get that. Because God doesn't say, oh gosh, you know what, you're right, there's all this evil in the world, and a good God, you can't have the two, so God must not exist, so I don't know what to tell you. He says, no. My kingdom is going to be that way, and blessed are you if you don't let that trip you up, if you don't lose faith because of me, because of the difficulties of my path, because of my church and all of its humanity. Blessed is the one who takes no offense in me. We, would, might, we might rather, I think we would all rather perhaps, and the Jews certainly at the time were looking for a savior of God who would come in all power and might and another Samson to destroy all the Romans and take out all the enemies of the people of Israel and remove all sin and, like at the stop of his fingers. I'm sorry, Avengers. What's his name? Snaps his fingers. Thanos, thank you. Snaps his fingers and like all the bad people, well we don't know, like half the population is destroyed. Like we might have wanted God to do that. All the bad people are gone. Instead we have a savior who's crucified. Are you the one? Because I'm standing at the foot of the cross and it sure doesn't look like you're winning. And why would I follow you to defeat, to humility, to letting people look down on me? Are you the one who is to come? You who, not only do you not come as God with all power and might, but you come as a baby human being, beginning in the womb as a fetus, born as a child in Bethlehem in a poverty-stricken, nowhere manger, feeding trough. Which is why, guess what? Nobody came to see him except the shepherds and the magi, because that made no sense whatsoever. And yet, Jesus says, Blessed are you if you do not take offense at me. If you do not, get, do not get tripped up by the ways that God comes to you. The humanity of Christ was always hard to swallow. The lowliness of Christ, the lowly vesture, that he would come in such a strange form. A babe in Bethlehem, a host and wine in mass. Is that really God? Blessed are you if you not, do not get tripped up if your faith can sustain you, even when you don't see or don't understand. We would rather a kingdom that is all wheat and good and everything else that we look for and the promise is fulfilled. And Jesus says, actually, my kingdom in this world is both wheat and what? Weeds. Who wants weeds in your garden? Lord, why would you have a garden with weeds and wheat? I don't want that one. I don't want weeds in the world. I don't want weeds in your church. I don't want bad people. I don't want sinners. I don't want weeds in my heart, my own sins. And yet our Lord says, that's the kingdom of heaven right now. I've started it. It's begun. It's very real. But it's both wheat and weeds until some time of fulfillment when only then will he separate. Not now. Not yet. We've got to wait for it. We've got to be patient. My kingdom is not a full-grown tree that I just inserted into the ground. It's actually a mustard seed. And it's going to grow. And one day you may get to see part of it being a bush that does give nourishment to all the birds of the air. But for now, it's kind of a small little tree. Only we 2,000 years later hopefully do see the way that that tree of life of the church has given so much to the world to nourish it, to teach it, to guide it. But for the apostles... And even sometimes for us, it's like, well, I'd rather something bigger and better. And the Lord says, blessed are you 
who take no offense at me. Our Lord's timing, that is not my timing. Lord, I wanted to win and I lost. Lord, I wanted my loved one to be healed and you didn't heal him. Blessed are you. Lord, I wanted your kingdom to be both in this world and of this world. And our Lord says, my kingdom is here but is not of this world. And blessed are you. Lord, I wanted you to save me. I didn't want to have to do things myself to help cooperate with your grace. My freedom gets in the way. Can't you just like snap your fingers and get rid of all my sins? No, you have to work with my grace to change. If you're impatient, you have to work during Advent, etc., and other times to become more patient. If you have a big temper, you've got to work on that with my grace. If your soul is filled with sins, you've got to go to confession. Wait, I wanted a church that I could go directly to God. Why do I have to work through your apostles? Blessed are you who take no offense in my ways. Lord, I pray and nothing's happening. I don't want to wait. I want the microwave answer to prayers. I want the microwave holiness. I want the microwave happiness in life. And our Lord says, it's more like a crock pot. You do have to push start. You do have to do your part. And I'm doing my work, but it takes time. It takes time. And there's a little bit of groaning and struggling as, I, as my grace stretches you. And it's not comfortable. And things don't always go well. You got to wait for it. It is here, but it is not yet. And we await in joyful hope. Not pessimistic resignation, like, oh, well, I guess I have to wait for it. One day I'm going to come. In the meantime, life stinks. No, the Christian is joyful in hope. I don't get caught up in petty things that don't go my way. I don't get caught up in passing things that didn't go my way. Because there's a lasting thing that I can wait for with joyful hope. There's a lot to be pondering in our day today. There's a lot to be asking the Holy Spirit to help us with because we don't see any more than John's disciples saw, and yet we were still challenged to believe without seeing, which is what Jesus would say to Thomas, another blessedness, right? Blessed are you, but you, you, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen and still believe. Same idea. Blessed are you if you are not tripped up by my ways. I want to finish with them, just that reality that God does work through instruments. God does work through a church. Not the one we might have wanted, but the one he's given us. By the way, footnote, another distraction. Batman Dark Knight, my favorite ending to a movie. Because and that's, just, that's the middle one with the Joker. It's not finished yet. That's the only second part of the series. And at the end of that movie, Batman has to ride off into the darkness as a criminal. He's made himself out to be a criminal, so the police will look for him and not for someone else he's protecting. And the child of Commissioner Gordon, who, who Batman just saved, asked Commissioner Gordon, why is he running? Why is he hiding from the police? And Commissioner Gordon says, he's not the hero we wanted. He's the hero we needed. Which I was like, whoa, that's my, that's my faith. <laughs> that's Jesus. That's the church. It's religion in the Christian community. Our world says, I don't want religion. Religion's divisive. Well, if you look into the the way God calls us to follow him is meant to be gathering, communicative. 
But I was struck because our Lord does work through instruments, the church, even the priesthood, and we are kind of celebrating or giving thanks to God for the gift of the priesthood. And sometimes we run away from the church or the priesthood seeing only the, the struggles and the humanity and missing the gift that is meant to be. So I thought I would read a beautiful poem. It's called, um, this is kind of meaning to end on an upswing, The Beautiful Hands of a Priest. We need them in life's early morning. We need them again at its close, thinking of baptism and of the funeral. We feel their warm clasp of true friendship. We seek them when tasting life's woes. At the altar each day we behold them, and the hands of a king on his throne are not equal to them in their greatness. Their dignity stands all alone. And when we are tempted and wander to pathways of shame and sin, it's the hand of a priest that will absolve us, not once, but again and again. And when we are taking life's partner in marriage, other hands may prepare us a feast, but the hand that will bless and unite us is the beautiful hand of a priest. God bless them and keep them all holy for the sacred host which their fingers caress. When can a poor sinner do better than to ask him to guide thee and bless? When the hour of death comes upon us, may our courage and strength be increased by seeing raised over us in blessing the beautiful hands of a priest. So we pray for the church, we pray for priests, we pray for the holiness of all the members of God's community. We pray for our own increase of faith to believe without seeing and that our faith would be strong enough not to be tripped up, not to take offense in Jesus Christ and the church that he founded, the way he's paved out for our salvation, that that way would be opened even through our own witness of faith, of hope, of love to the entire world for which that gift is meant. Amen. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, pray for us.